Welcome to the Engagement Ring, your connection to an ever-widening network of higher education professionals, scholars, and community partners working to make the world a better place. I'm Mary Hunt. Today on the podcast... I really firmly believe that New York is probably among the most challenging, if not the most challenging, state to forecast the weather for. Dr. Nick Basel discusses the newly established State Weather Risk Communication Center, also known as SWERSI, at the University at Albany. There are very few meteorologists in state government. And so when it comes to interpreting complex weather data or trying to look up information or, or understand what's being communicated to them, sometimes that can be difficult for the state. And the center is here to help address those needs. Here's my conversation with Sourcey Director and Meteorologist, Nick Basel. Welcome back to the podcast, Nick. Thank you for having me. Nice to have you. The last time you were here, we talked about improved weather forecasting and power outage prediction and how the university was working with utility companies throughout the state to achieve those goals. Um, now you're heading up a new initiative that I expect can contribute to those goals and probably do a whole lot more as well. Yeah, that's right. It's something we're really excited about. What is the State Weather Risk Communication Center, otherwise known as SWERSI? We may refer to it as SWERSI. So uh, tell us what it is. Yeah, so it is a center located here at UAlbany in the eTech building that is designed to serve the state's public sector weather needs. And it specifically is here to kind of fill in the gaps of where the National Weather Service might leave off, but the state's needs continue in terms of weather support. So. Uh, you may or may not know, and I, I did not know even as a meteorologist until recently, that there are very few meteorologists in state government. And so when it comes to interpreting complex weather data or trying to look up information or, or understand what's being communicated to them, sometimes that can be difficult for the state. And the center is here to help address those needs. Why is SWERSI necessary? Don't we already have tools and institutions in place that can deal with, I might say, severe weather, but I know you refer to it as impactful or uh, weather by impact. Yeah, that, that's a that's a really good question. I'll, I'll address the first part of that um, to start. And obviously, we have the National Weather Service already. That's a, a federal organization. Um, they have offices uh, across New York, and they're excellent they're, they're kind of the go-to for, for most weather-related inquiries, and um, we are not here to, to replace them. Uh, but one of the things that they uh, may struggle with at times um, is assisting the state in very state-specific things. So the, um, the federal government obviously is here to, you know, to do as much as they can, but if the state is, say, preparing a disaster requests and they need some really specific weather data to help fulfill that disaster request, that may fall outside the bounds of what the National Weather Service traditionally does. And believe it or not, there are even some federal laws that limit the types of activities that the Weather Service can do. Uh, I think those are holdovers from prior advocacy by private sector organizations, but uh, the federal government's National Weather Service is not allowed to forecast road surface temperatures, believe it or not. Um, there are a couple other things kind of like that, that they aren't uh, as able to do. Um, and those kinds of things are really important when you think of 
you know, should I get a plow out for the snow? Should I salt the road in advance? You know, is the snow going to stick to the grass and, and the road or just the grass? Those are sort of um, maybe seemingly small decisions, but when you think of over the whole state and over a whole winter, for example, uh, those sorts of decisions add up quickly in terms of resources and, and manpower. Where did the idea for Swirsi come from and how long has it been in development? It's been a slowly evolving idea. Uh, the, the center where I first started working here at the Center of Excellence is, is tasked with helping solve weather problems for New York's private sector. So we we typically used um, you know weather data to help solve problems for utilities or other private companies that had uh, big weather problems. But as we were doing that, we you know we realized more and more that we were either being approached by or ended up working with state agencies and authorities who had very similar problems. So, you know, weather doesn't discriminate on only affecting the private sector or public sector, obviously, right? If there's a, a really big windstorm, a utility is going to care if the power lines get blown down. But at the same time, our state's emergency management is going to care if people lose power. So that, you know, it's the same, it's kind of the, the same side of, of the coin there. So as we were, we as we kept kind of doing these projects, we realized that, you know what, uh, there's clearly a demand here in the state for this kind of work. And at the time we had, had been doing sort of small, what I would call one-off projects that were generally year to year or even six months at a time with different state agencies. And there was a lot of, you know, I might even call like duplicated work there. And it just seemed like there could be a, a, a better way to do that. And so we started um, soliciting support for what became this new center and uh, began advocating for it to state government. And and this past budget cycle, they funded it. Who are your key partners from the state in this endeavor? We have a variety of partners, but I would probably say our, our most key partner is, is DISHES, which is the Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services. They are helpfully located, at least the place we visit the most often is located literally directly across from ETEC. We can walk there in about five to 10 minutes. And so we work with them very closely. As their name implies, uh, they're kind of the umbrella organization when it comes to how do we plan and respond for uh, weather disasters, big and small, or even just nuisance events here in New York. And and they're, they're kind of a, a glue that helps other agencies and, and authorities and other public sector organizations uh, collaborate and, and all of that. So they're our primary partner and their their commissioner, Commissioner Bray, uh, helped us secure this fund funding. So um, we're very appreciative of her, obviously, and, and them for, for helping us get here. But our other partners are uh, pretty much any, any of the big agencies or authorities you might think of when it comes to interacting with the public in a in a any sort of emergency fashion. So that'd be transportation. So you think of Department of Transportation, the Thruway, the MTA, so basically organizations that are really important for, for travel because weather snarls travel so easily. Um, maybe one you might not think about, but the Port Authority, they're very important. You know, they, they handle um, the airports in New York City, obviously travel into and out of the Port of New York, um, tunnels, bridges, so they're important. Uh, when you 
move away from transportation, um, you can think of all sorts of other organizations that we might work with as well. So all the way down from, you know, maybe a school superintendent who they have certainly no access to their own meteorologist or anything like that. Uh, I'd like to eventually start helping them make more informed school closing decisions. I know that that is maybe less of a priority now in post-COVID world, since there, there's a lot of online learning opportunities, but uh, that was one of our very, if not the first project that we did along these lines with with the state was a, a school closing project. So I would like to kind of continue that. And then all the way up to energy, um, you know, I mentioned you know, utilities care about whether or not there's any strong winds or heavy snow. Uh, this new center doesn't directly work with utilities because that's still the, the purview of the old center that I mentioned. Uh, but there are state organizations in, in government who are kind of the, the state version of utilities. So there's New York Power Authority. Um, there's organizations like the PSC, the Public Service Commission, and, and others that are the state state side kind of interaction with the with the private sector electrical grid and we'll probably work with them as well now i want to go back to that notion of uh, what i said severe weather i mean you're the one that pointed out to me that a lot of people refer to it as severe weather but you like to refer to it i think you said as high impact weather and can you explain why i think every time i hear that term now nick i think of you and i start to think <laughs> no that's really yeah. really not quite the way to phrase it but please explain why you yeah i i, I feel like I, I always have kind of a friend a friendly rivalry with some of the um you know speech and and press release <laughs> writers because they always they always put severe and I, I always change it to impactful and so why i do that is um for two reasons one meteorologist when we hear severe weather that conjures a very specific image in our head, you know, say really strong winds from a thunderstorm or something along those lines. But secondarily, you know, if the public hears severe weather, you, you are also kind of probably thinking like that. You're thinking a hurricane, a blizzard, you know, a tornado, something like that is probably what you're thinking when you hear severe weather. And I, I prefer impactful weather, if only because I feel like if we refer to things as severe weather, that gives the wrong impression that that it, you know, it takes something like a hurricane, it takes something like a blizzard to really disrupt our lives. And, and that's not true. You know, we even nuisance events can be really impactful. And so, you know, I, I use the example of an inch of snow. If you ask a random person on the street in New York, you know, is an, is an inch of snow a big deal? They would probably say, no, it's not a big deal. But if an inch of snow happened during rush hour in New York City, that would be highly impactful, especially if it was the first snow of the year where people are, you know, still not quite used to driving in snow. Uh, that would be a, a really big deal. And so I like to use impactful weather just because it distinguishes the, um, the uh, you know, the amount of snow or the strength of the wind. It, it separates the, the weather part of it from how it impacts people's lives. And our center here is, is to focus on that impact to people's lives and to the economy and anything else impact related, not as much as focus on, well, was the wind speed 42 miles an hour or 45 miles an hour? Like that difference is maybe not useful to the people who are being impacted by that strong wind. I have to think that as you were planning for Swersi, in your mind, as you were imagining the center and the work that it could do, were recent events such as the devastating storm that hit Buffalo last winter um 
you probably saw that weather event and thought Ipswich were up and running. These are the ways that we could implement it or we could operationalize. So we could have been of service or, you know, uh, help prevent or mitigate some of the damage from that storm. Um, can you refresh our recollection about what happened last winter in Buffalo and how having Swarcy or how Swarcy might have been able to address or work with a weather disaster like that? Though, as you say, impactful weather is impactful weather, but maybe it's these major events that really help the layman understand yes. why something like this is an important tool. Yeah, and I think that is really where our our value will shine is when we have these really big events where everyone is stretched thin and scrambling for information and trying to understand what's happening. Uh, so last year in Buffalo, Buffalo had had two really major lake effect events. There was one in November that set, um, I think, our, our state's all-time snowfall record for a, a I forget what period of time it was, say three days or something like that, where I think they had up to seven feet of snow, which is really kind of crazy to think about. And then just a month later, we had the really devastating Buffalo blizzard, which occurred uh, right before and, and during uh, Christmas, and which unfortunately about 50 people lost their lives during. And that was a, a storm that yes, had lots of snow, but it was really characterized by the very strong winds and whiteout conditions and really rapid temperature drops where people you know, literally froze to death in their house because they lost power and they couldn't heat their house and no one could get to them because the roads were so unpassable. So that was a really tragic event. Um, and we were doing a pilot project of, of what became our, our new center at the time. And while we certainly didn't have the resources that we expect to have now back then, uh, the resources we did have, we were able to you know, send someone over to the emergency operations center in our state's emergency management division and help them in, in kind of real time. We were getting questions like, um, you know, is is the lake effect snow band gonna shift south or is it gonna shift north? Because I wanna pre-stage my resources so that once it moves, we can we can go in and help rescue people as fast as we can. Where would be the best spot to put those resources now so that I can be ready to start helping people when we get there? Those were the kind of questions we were getting. After the event is over, whether or not it's you know a major snowstorm or something else, um, if it's really that that damaging and and causes that much loss of human life, you know the state will try to get federal disaster money, and uh, you may not know, and I certainly didn't know before a couple of years ago, but we need to meet certain benchmarks to receive that money. So in the case of a blizzard, believe it or not, those benchmarks are: did any county in New York exceed their one or two or three day record snowfall total. And so when an event like this happens, the state will reach out to us and you know kind of say like, wow, that that is that is hard information to, to find, right? Because we need to know both what the records were, but we also need to know what the snowfall was. And we may get we may have a storm report that is, you know, 40 inches of snow but we don't know over what period that fell in. Was it a, was it 24 hours? Was it, you know, two days? Was it three days? So, it, you know, it's our job to help the state with those. Say, you know what, we looked up the data. Here's how it works. Here, here's what the record was. Here's what we think happened. You know, we believe that you have broken a record in this place or this other place, or you did not in this place in this other place. 
Well, that's potentially millions of dollars of, of, you know, money that the state could or could not be bringing in, depending on whether or not they can satisfactorily meet those benchmarks. And Swarovski is not only going to be a tool in terms of response. I take it again, I go back to the layman's point of view, because that's where I am. I think of this and I think, oh, it's the response to the storm or to the weather event, but it isn't necessarily, it's the prediction, it's the pre-management or it's the preparation for, it's the management during the storm and then the recovery, I would imagine. So is Swarovski involved in all those phases? Yes, absolutely. You know, I think one of our other kind of core functions um, is what I would just call colloquially as giving people a heads up. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you are trying to respond or prepare for a potential disaster, you want as much lead time as possible, right? You don't want to you don't want to find out two days in advance. Surprise, there's going to be the Buffalo Blizzard because then you know people are on vacation. Your at your assets are in one half of the state, and you want them to be on the other half, and it's it's just very complicated. Uh, so one of the things that we are in charge of is giving a, a longer lead time notification that certain events could happen. And so one of the tricks here is that if we're talking about an event that could happen a week from now, um, we, you know, we don't really have much confidence in the weather a week from now, right? So we can't say definitively thing A, B, and C will definitely happen one week from now. But we can communicate to emergency management partners that you know, we, we see this on the horizon based on what we're seeing. Here's a reasonable worst case scenario. So if you want to plan for the worst case scenario, here's what it could be. Here's what maybe a more likely eventual scenario will be. And then here's what maybe the, the least um, impactful scenario would be. So they have a range of possibilities. They can understand, okay, my worst case scenario is still not a bad one. I don't have to worry about that then. Or, okay, my worst case scenario is maybe unlikely to happen, but if that were to happen, that would be very impactful. So I will pre- I will prepare now for that scenario. So we can do that sort of activity too. So it sounds like you'll be in regular communications. It's not just when you anticipate an event, there's just ongoing communication Absolutely. between you and yep. the agency. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll be sending uh, daily and probably even twice daily uh, communications to all our key partners in the state. And one of the reasons the university is qualified or positioned to do this, I take it, is because of the Mesonet, New York State Mesonet. Is that an important tool in Swersey's activity? Yeah, absolutely. And it was another uh, another one of the impetuses for um, pushing for the State Weather Center. Not, not the main one, but uh, what the Mesonet is, is a collection of really high-quality weather stations in New York. And if you are trying to find out what happened yesterday in terms of the weather, or you're trying to look up, you know, what the winds are right now, or whatever you're trying to do with the weather in terms of what's happening now or what just happened, the Mesonet is really the best resource you could possibly ask for. And so for someone like me, who's in charge of, you know, trying to translate some of this data to the state, it it's such an invaluable resource uh, to me and other people like me. And um, so one of the things that we're doing for the state is, you know, kind of pushing for a broader use of the mesonet within the state, because as I mentioned, there are no meteorologists or very few meteorologists in the state. And so if you're not a meteorologist, you may struggle to understand the difference between, say, a backyard temperature sensor and a really, you know, high quality multi-million dollar network, right? And so that's one of the things that we can help help do. Uh, but 
I think that the center being located here at UAlbany is, is really perfect because we have that mesonet, that observing network. We have sort of twin departments here. There's a, a teaching and a research department in terms of meteorology. And that's just an excellent resource for expertise, um, a pipeline for uh, employees at the State Weather Risk Communication Center. Um, it's also here for helping students, you know, kind of kind of learn, get some on the ground training, do some internships. And um, and then aside from the weather perspective, you know, I've mentioned Homeland Security, emergency management. I've used those kind of words a lot here. The building where we're located, ETEC, also houses CEHE, the College of Emergency Preparedness, Homeland Security and Cybersecurity. And they have a lot of expertise in just, you know, how does how how do we communicate during a disaster? Uh, how do we best, you know, prepare ourselves and respond to a disaster in in perhaps a non-weather sense, but that is still very important when you're thinking about disasters. And so I really expect to rely on them quite a bit as well uh, when it comes to their expertise in those in those fields. You have mentioned this before in our conversations. I think this is a really interesting point. I mean, obviously we're in New York State, we're in the Northeast, we expect bad weather and severe weather, or mm -hmm. high impact weather. But you say there are particular things about New York State that make its, its weather patterns unique. Can you talk a little bit about that? I, I really firmly believe that New York is probably among the most challenging, if not the most challenging state to forecast the weather for, especially if you are not in a meteorologist. And the reason why I say that is that New York can be impacted by pretty much every single kind of weather condition you can possibly think of. So, you know, literally whatever you would think of in terms of the weather, we can be impacted by it. We get hurricane landfalls, we get big lake effects storms, you know, we get thunderstorms, we get um, freezing rain events. We've had a couple of those lately. Um, we don't commonly get wildfires, but we can get wildfires. We used to have those a couple times a year in certain spots. Uh, certainly drought, flooding, you know, pretty much any kind of thing out there we can get. And I think that differentiates us from other states that maybe can get hit harder by any individual one of those. So, you know, maybe Florida has worse hurricanes. I don't think anyone would dispute that. But Florida is not going to get a freezing rainstorm, right? They're, you know, they maybe will get an inch well, of snow. These there. days you never know. <laughs> never know. Um, but they're not going to get a lake effect snowstorm, right? They're not going to get a blizzard. Uh, so the range of possible weather that we have here is is very large. And I think if you're not a meteorologist and you're, you know, you, you get thrown a different weather event every other week and you're trying to respond to it, it can be really tough trying to keep up with, okay, you know, what are the hazards from the storm now? So that's why I think New York is really, um, really in need of something like the center. And I, and I think that there's a lot of room to provide value. You know, and there's a lot riding on it. It sounds yeah. silly and it sounds obvious, but until it happens, you don't realize how much people's lives, property, right. uh, infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's important to get as close to right and accurate as you can. Yeah. But, and, you know, we we take it, you know, personally, if you make a bad forecast, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I, I said this thing was going to happen and then this other thing happened and, I, you know, I got it wrong. And people take that personally when they're meteorologists. And people feel... Um, a real tie to the meteorologists. Yeah, yeah. Like our doctors. <laughs> yeah, we really, yep. really listen when they speak. It's important. Yeah, exactly. They're just some people who 
you know, the, the public can make a, a connection with, you know, they'd like one TV meteorologist, but not another one. And it's not that one is better than the other. They just have that connection with that particular member of the public. And so, yeah, it can be a really personal thing. And in terms of the decision-making, um, the data, is Swersey the provider of the data and then the state agencies will make the decisions? Are you involved in the conversations about, you know, when to deploy resources or how does that, yeah. how does I that? Would say, I would say we're best uh, an interpreter of the data. Um, and maybe this is a little bit nitpicky in terms of how you define, you know, creating data or something like that. But if uh, we're trying to collect as much weather data as possible, so those could be National Weather Service forecasts, they could be mesonet surface observations, you know, they could be weather models. Um, and we're trying to take that data and then do our best to synthesize it and condense it and apply it towards something that the state cares about. And even better, if there's a way that we can incorporate it into how they make decisions, that would just make the data more, more relatable. And so I'll give you a, an example of that. We, we know that we saw devastating flooding during uh, the remnants of Hurricane Ida in New York City. And we have a lot of weather stations that are very high quality in New York City. Thankfully, we also know what the capacity, at least the theoretical capacity of sewers in New York City is, and that is 1.75 inches of rain <laughs> per hour. And so if you know what the sewers can handle and you know how much rain is falling, you could put those two things together to let emergency managers know in real time, are we exceeding this? Because if we are, that probably means flooding. And so one of the types of tools that we'd like to do, in fact, we already are doing it with this particular example, but is just make a real-time product that says, are we exceeding our sewer capacity? And if so, how many hours have we exceeded that? Because if it's, you know, if it's five hours, that's probably a much bigger flood than if it's one hour. And those are the types of tools that I want to create more of here because I think they, they kind of cut out the middleman, so to speak, for an emergency manager, they don't have to take the weather data and try to figure out how to apply it to the infrastructure data. They can just know, okay, weather is in, impacting infrastructure in this way, and now I know there's flooding. And I think we can do similar things like that when it comes to, you know, maybe snowfall rate on roadways. Um, plows can clear clear roads if it's up to about two inches per hour. After they get to three inches per hour or more, then the more or less roads become unclearable because the snow rate is too high. You know, those sorts of things. If you're trying to um, pre-treat the roads, so if you know there's going to be a storm coming and you say, well, let's get the salt out on the roads now, it matters if it's going to rain before it snows, right? So if it's going to rain, all the salt would wash off and you would just harm the environment and not help, you know, help yourself. You need to waste money and time. But if it's going to snow before it rains or not rain at all, then you could pre-treat and get a lot more value out of that. So believe it or not, there's not, to my knowledge, a product out there that says in a given winter storm, will it rain first or will it snow first? It's a very simple concept, something that's very low-hanging fruit and that does not exist. And I, I think our center is ideally suited to make something like that to, to help us save. And it brings me to the center itself and how you will be uh, staffed. What do you envision in terms of staff and number of meteorologists, maybe yeah. researchers or students, and when will it be up and running? Yeah, so we are anticipating about 10 staff 
give or take, we're we're still you know kind of finalizing how the how the budget will shake out. But um, just to break it down, think about one director. So that would <laughs> not about one one director, um, <laughs> me, and then about four meteorologists. So th- those would be one lead meteorologist and and probably three or four. Um, general meteorologists and those people would be be tasked with sort of being the operational arm of what we do, responding to real-time inquiries, creating forecasts, sending emails, responding to phone calls, that sort of thing. And then we have an administrator as well. So just a, a person to help keep all the paperwork in line and be a sort of a glue person. So those people, I would say, uh, make up the operational side of things, those six people that I mentioned. Then we have another four people and we want at least one or two of them to be uh, a software engineer. So someone who can make those sorts of web products that we really need, those those nice interactive visualizations, the kind of things that the state needs. Uh, a product developer who maybe is not a web expert, expert, but knows how to go and grab that weather data. You know, they know, okay, I here's how I need to man- manipulate this model to get it into something that is usable for me. So I anticipate that person and the web developer to work very closely with one another. One thing that I haven't talked a lot about, but which is really important to the center is the social science of of kind of how we communicate and how people interpret data. So I want a dedicated expert who uh, has that social science and communication expertise. Um, And so that gets us up to nine and the 10th person is is a little bit uh, more to be determined, but our our plan there is someone who can kind of slot in with existing projects that are going ongoing in the state that have a weather component. So maybe the state is building a, a map of um, where power outages happen, and they they want to know how can we tie this into the weather. You know, this person could help out with. Uh, finding the best weather sources out there to, to help them plug into that data set. Or maybe the Department of Health is doing a project where they're trying to understand heat impacts in you know, urban centers and they're looking for temperature data and they don't know how, how to interpret it. You know, this person could help with that. So I really just want us to be uh, sort of a weather grease, if you will, for the state to just help them function smoothly when it comes to anything that uh, relies on the weather. And when will you be uh, fully operational? I take it, are you rolling this out over certain phases? Yeah, it's it, up and running it. Or? You know, it's probably going to take about two years until we feel like we're in a in a smooth, normal, you know, baseline operating mode. We have about four people right now. Uh, we'll be hiring imminently um, to bring our full complement of meteorologists up to what we expect, and then once we have that operational side down. We'll start slowly hiring uh, those those kind of specialty positions, the software engineer, product developer, social scientist, those types of positions. So we want to stagger things because, you know, I have in my head what I think this center should be or what I think the state wants us to be. But ultimately, this is going to be kind of a moving target a little bit. You know, what what I think we should be is going to be modulated by what the state expects out of us, and we will you know, change what we're going to do to meet their, um, to meet their needs. So what I think we might need is maybe going to be a little bit different from what, what we eventually need, you know, a year from now. So as we get going, 
we'll steadily add add folks and then hopefully end up around 10 people. Uh, but what I didn't mention in those 10 is that we're already hiring students and, and graduate students to be uh, paid interns here so they can develop the expertise uh, to maybe be our future employees or future National Weather Service employees or whatever they want to do when they graduate. And it helps us fill in that gap while we're seeking out those full-time people. You had the opportunity to talk about this on the Today Show with Al Roker. What was that experience right. like? Yeah, it uh, <laughs> it was uh, it was it was quite a whirlwind day because we had both Al Roker visiting and Governor Hochul visiting uh, because our our announcement was made on the Today Show, um, and that sort of served as the kickoff of of the State Weather Center. And so their their press releases afterward and all all that stuff that goes along with that. But when uh, Al Roker and the governor were here, uh, you know, it was just kind of a, a whirlwind because um, they interviewed for about an hour across multiple spots within ETEC and uh, and the governor, you know, I have to say was was extremely good at answering three complex weather questions from, from Al Roker about both New York in general, but also what she expects out of the State Weather Center. Um, she made it really clear, and this is exciting and frightening for me, but very clear that she wants us to be a, uh, a nation leader in this, that she expects um, this to be a success story and that she expects it to be something that other states could learn from. So, you know, I, I like that pressure. It's it's good, but it's also a little scary, right? Uh, mm -hmm. But Al was, you know, the governor is always very friendly and, and Al was obviously very friendly as well. I, I had not had the opportunity to meet him before, but he, he was great to chat with. And uh, one of the things that I think he was really excited about is we scheduled a weather balloon launch uh, for his time here. So the weather balloon launch is not not really directly related to anything that the State Weather Risk Communication Center does, but we knew it was something that um, he would get a lot of enjoyment out of. So we we were able to get a, an undergraduate, a graduate student, and a postdoc all together to represent kind of the different levels of you know students here. And um, they did a balloon launch for him right after the governor left, and uh, he participated in that. And he was I could tell he was really excited because he got his phone out and he was taking pictures and took videos <laughs> of it and. And I think it really was was a was a highlight for the students as well. So that was a really nice thing. Yeah, really nice way to kick off an important project. Yeah. Nick, you know, because you've been here before on the engagement ring, we always mm -hmm. ask our guests for a gem, but I'm gonna ask you for a gem that's related to high impact uh -huh. weather. What should people know maybe uh, about high impact weather that they don't know or that will serve them well going forward? What's your best advice or what, what experience would you relate to them? The easiest answer to this would just be make sure that you are weather aware. If it's if the weather, if you hear, you know, that there might be a snowstorm five days from now or something like that, just make sure you check in every day leading up to it. You don't you don't I'm not saying you need to devote, you know, half an hour to looking at weather maps, but just check in on your National Weather Service just to see what the forecast is. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I that I often say, too, is that the biggest High impact events are off are almost by definition the ones that catch us by surprise. You know that it's a it's a flash flood and we we, we didn't know we were going to have a flash flood thirty minutes before and now we do because a thunderstorm popped up and and so uh, it's probably also best to just kind of have that mental checklist of 
I'm in a flood, what do I do? You know, I get to higher ground. I don't drive through flooded roads. If it's a, you know, if it, if it, tree falls down on the power lines out front what do i do i don't i don't go near the power lines like just kind of have that mental rolodex of here's what i do or don't do in these kind of bad weather scenarios now listen to the experts it seems we often as you said we we listen and we're disappointed if the weather isn't what they predicted but yeah. really no big loss if it isn't i mean better be yeah you know I, i'm often kind of um i don't just made is a, a strong word but and i i hear and I know a lot of these comments are politically motivated and other kinds of things, but I often hear um, members of the public being kind of dismissive when it comes to, say, the governor talking about a, an upcoming snowstorm, like, oh, so you're a weather lady now, you know, like really dismissive comments. And, um, you know, I just think that's really the wrong attitude, right? It, we have public officials here to help us <laughs> make it through our daily lives and to help make sure that the state is successful and and one of the ways that we do that is to make sure that we are weather aware. And so, you know, weather is so impactful for a number of reasons for the general population that um, I think it really is important to make sure that we're listening to, to people when they're trying to communicate that sorts of information to us. Nick, thanks so much. Um, Thank you. Wish you the best of luck with Swersey. Thanks. Sounds like it's going to have wonderful benefits. For oh, yeah. I, I can't wait to, to really get going in earnest. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Dr. Nick Basel is the director of the State Weather Risk Communication Center at the University at Albany, a first-of-its-kind partnership between the University and the New York State Division of Homeland Security and Emergency Services that leverages UAlbany's expertise in atmospheric sciences to help state and local emergency managers prepare for and respond to severe weather. For more information on Dr. Basel's work and the new center, visit the resource page for this podcast on Simplecast. The Engagement Ring is produced by the University at Albany's Office for Public Engagement. If you have questions or comments or want to share an idea for an upcoming podcast, email us at uAlbanyOPE at albany.edu.